Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Michael Litchens with us, the editor of Catholic Exchange. He holds an MA degree in religion and literature from the University of Chicago. Spends a lot of his time studying overlooked spiritual experiences when he isn't busy revisiting and editing, of course, and revising. He resides in Colorado, where you can often find him discussing preachers, ghosts, and churches of the Old West. And tonight we're going to be talking about the life of Father Gabriel. Lamorth, who was the Vatican's number one exorcist many years ago. He's conducted well over 10,000 exorcisms in his 60-plus year exorcism history. He has passed on. He left us a book called The Devil is Afraid of Me. Michael, welcome to the program. Thank you, George. It's an absolute honor to be here. What an amazing story of an amazing individual. Tell me, how did you come upon learning about uh, Father Gabriel? Well, I had uh, been fascinated by Father Gabriel's life for years. I had a, this is actually kind of fun for me. Um, one of my first experiences of learning about exorcisms was listening to the old Coast to Coast interview with Father Malachi Martin. Uh huh, that's right. As an exorcist, which is just a classic one. And uh, when I found out about Father Amorth, who famously at one point he estimated he performed around 60,000 exorcisms. Those could range from anywhere to five minutes to several hours, having to see the same person days in and days out. He stopped counting how many people he actually helped deliver from evil spirits. But I just think he was a fascinating individual with a really good sense of humor and a brilliant insight into the spiritual world that eh, doesn't always get brought up into even the churches today. Oh, that's so true. And did anything ever happen to Father uh, Gabriel when he was conducting exorcisms? Uh, You you do 10,000 exorcisms with demons and spirits and all those things. Something's bound to happen to you. Oh, quite a bit. (laughs) Actually, his very first exorcism occurred uh, after he had been under the care of another famous exorcist, Father Candido. He had his first solo exorcism. And an English translator had to be there because, according to the family, this demon would curse in English and Latin. And Father Amortha began the exorcism, and the whole room got cold and dark. Ice crystals were forming on the windows, despite that it was warm. And (laughs) Father Amorth continued with the exorcism, and when he finally got to the part where the Latin is Principio TB, I command you, and he's commanding the spirit to identify itself, and it identifies itself simply Lucifer. Oh. And that's his oh. very first one, so he comes out swinging. <laughs> Did you ever know him or meet him? I never had the chance, unfortunately. I've been very blessed to have known many people who've met him, interviewed him, a couple psychiatrists who had the chance of talking with him and getting to know him, but unfortunately, he died before I got to make it to Rome. I wonder if he ever saw the movie The Exorcist. He did, as a matter of fact. He did? If you get a chance ever, I I think it's on Netflix, there's a movie called The Devil and Father Amorth, and William Friedkin, who directed The Exorcist, actually got to interview Father Amorth and witness an exorcism. And he asked Father Amorth, and Father Amorth made a... joke about the special effects being way over the top, but he did see a lot of similarities with what he had to deal with. 
I moved to St. Louis in uh, 1979, and one of the priests, of course, and they did the exorcism here, but one of the priests lived here for years, and he died the year I was about to try to interview him. Michael and I, I just I wanted to interview him. Wow. He was he was contemplating finally going public because he didn't want anything to do with the media, and sure. uh, that gosh that would have been just a home run interview. But um, this I'll tell you a funny story of the little boy from Baltimore, and then they they ended up doing the exorcism in in, in a uh, hospital here, the Alexan Brothers Hospital that is no more anymore. But after the exorcism was done. They sold the hospital, closed off the wing of the of the area that they did the exorcism because horrible things would happen, and they sold off the furniture that was in that room, the bed, and a bureau and something like that. And apparently, the people who bought the furniture started experiencing all these kinds of demonic things to them. That's terrifying isn't it uh, oh my god (laughs) i've read up a little bit on that case uh the edward i can't remember the exact roland something uh case and uh, that whole thing is semi obviously inspired probably the most frightening movie of all time and it's even more frightening when you find out there are people who see this well in and out throughout their jobs such as father morther father malachi how did father morth get involved in uh, exorcisms he was approached. He was a priest for years working within the diocese. In many ways, I like to say his first encounter to standing up to evil was when he joined the Italian resistance in the 1940s, fighting against the Nazis and the dictator Mussolini. And that was really his first stand in showing that he had the metal to take this on. But as he, he was approached by, uh, who I already mentioned, Father Candido Amantini, to take over because he was approaching old age and he was already seeing many cases. So Father Morth uh, studied under him for years and years. As through that experience, Father Morth also started his own program for training exorcists. But at that time, he just had to be under a priest who was also under a bishop, learn as much as he could. He had the rites of exorcism. And Father Candido showed him the ropes, taught him how to recognize the presence of evil, how to try to detect them and see if they are lying or deceiving, and also how to help people through curses and things like that. And yet, throughout his 30 year, over 30 years, he definitely saw uh, quite a bit in that time. As you and I were saying, thousands of exorcisms, he saw quite a bit. So even with all the preparation, he still found himself surprised in his job. Is there a real number, even though we say he did tens of thousands of exorcisms? Do we really know how many he did do? Not exactly. Like I said, he kind of stopped counting after a certain point, but like, just to clarify, these exorcisms could be simple couple minutes for... Right, not all of them were the body of Christ and all that stuff. No, 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 they didn't need to do the full, you know, Latin, going through all the saints and angels, (laughs) not at all the time. The Catholic Church takes these seriously to this day, Very. don't they? Oh, yeah. As I said, Father Amorth established the International Association of Exorcists to help train priests to come into Rome, and the Catholic Church takes this very seriously. Michael, how many people, what do, what do you think the percentage 
of people who are going through these exorcisms and mm-hmm. they may they may have a mental issue and maybe yeah. they're schizophrenic or something and so the demon within is really them does that happen a lot Sometimes demons can deceive, but this is also one of the reasons why exorcists often consult psychiatrists. And this is a father of more that actually specifically says he would never want to diagnose anyone of a medical condition because that's not his job. That's not his calling. So a psychiatrist will often be called in to effectively see if there's any pre, any condition going on that might explain any noises they're hearing, things like that. If there's physical manifestations, that needs to also be explained. But some a doctor who can really take a look, and also in Father Amor's view, still offer healing, even if the exorcism isn't exactly what they need in that moment. But in your opinion, he was the real deal, wasn't he? He was the real deal. He definitely, uh, I think uh, from all the people who interviewed him and experience, got to see what he did, everyone from movie directors to journalists, I think he was absolutely the real deal. Now, we see traditionally some of the tools of the trade during mm-hmm. an exorcism, you know, the cross, the Bible, and things. What yep. what other tools did he have to bring with him in order to assist himself? Well, he actually carried around a little exorcist briefcase, which I always thought was the most cinematic thing about him. Huh. And What was so in within, it? Uh, there would be two wooden crucifixes, as you would imagine. There'd be a vial of holy oil. This is a oil that can be used to bless people and objects. Right. Like holy water, but holy oil. Yes, exactly. It's blessed every year on Holy Thursday by the bishop. And it carries on just a long-standing tradition that has its roots back in ancient Judaism. And then, of course, he has his purple stole, which is the symbol of the priesthood's office, uh, basically symbolizing, because it's made of lamb's wool and things of that nature, that he's there in the person of Christ, and persona Christi is the Latin, and he's acting as Christ's vessel to deliver these people of evil. And then, of course, there's holy water and a special tool that priests get to carry called an aspergillum, or aspergillum, and that is basically a small metal tool used for sprinkling holy water. And he always carried, uh, I thought this was fascinating, I would never have thought of this, was a couple of handkerchiefs in his pocket at all times. One, he can get, the temperatures can change rapidly, such a good, good to wipe sweat or whatever. But also a very common tactic of those who are possessed and totally under the demon's sway is they want to spit on the priest. They spit at you. That's right. Yeah. And this, I mean, even before COVID-19 was a real concern, you don't want to be spit on. Exactly. And especially in one case, actually, a young man spit nails that seemed to appear out of nowhere from his mouth, and he would spit them at the priest trying to cause injury. Nails? Nails and Father Morse ended up keeping those in his uh, little collection of ways demons have tried to attack him. I'm not sure you could keep nails in your mouth as a trick. That's un- unbelievable. No, and especially three. I mean, if exactly. there's someone out there who can do this, please put it on YouTube. I'd love to watch. But yeah, yeah. It, without tr- without swallowing one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stabbing yeah. your throat. Exactly, and these would seem to, according to everyone that witnessed this, manifest out of nowhere as if, you know, one minute it's in their mouth and they're spitting it on to Father Amorth. Do you think some of these demons 
because he did so many exorcisms mm-hmm. that they knew him? The demons knew him? In fact, yeah, that's uh, one of the ways, one of the places where that title comes from, The Devil is Afraid of Me, is a particular encounter with Father Amorth, where the uh, where when Father Morth again was getting to the point of commanding the demon, asking it questions, giving a small interrogation, the demon said, we can do nothing against you, you are protected, and that's why we're afraid of you. Wow. That's riveting. Yes. Did he... Did, he uh, oh, go ahead. Did he ever discuss how the individual got possessed? He did. And there's a couple of ways that, uh, I mean, one, I think I should point out that there's different ways demons can attack people. Possession is the most extreme, tends to be the rarest, uh, but you can also be vexed by demons in other ways. And he even brings up our Catholic saints, Padre Pio, who many paranormal fans will be familiar with, Yep. Uh, who would be attacked by the devil, like literally manifesting in front of him, tossing him from the bed, striking him. And so that can happen as well, but in possession, there's a couple ways a demon can enter through. Most dramatically is you fully give your will to the demon, you're part of some... Cult or ritual or something like that? Yeah. You picked up a book and you thought it'd be fun to call upon, and I wish I could say that's that's a rare story, but I even know of a high schooler within my own life who tried to play with that because he thought, oh, this is fun, I just looked it up on the internet. How about a Ouija board? Same thing? Yeah. Yeah. Ouija board, uh, as you know, the case we were talking about that occurred in St. Louis, uh, that started with an Ouija board. Wow. So, yes, uh, trying to play with the things you don't understand is always, you know, every nursery rhyme tells us about that. And that was often the case with Father Amor, he would find. And then there were the also occasional circumstances where people were cursed in some way, which is terrifying to me. This is something you might find a little bit more in Southern Italian culture, where there will be people who will accept money to cast spells. Half the time they're charlatans, but every once in a while they're really good at their job. And that can be a way for a demon to slowly enter and to take over a person. I had also heard that if they're drunk or something like that, they tend to let their guard down. Is that true? Father Morris, actually, not in this book. I want to say this was in... An Exorcist Explains the Demonic, one of his previous books, uh, he mentioned that uh, that while there's nothing wrong with having a glass of wine at dinner, we all, I mean, he was very Italian, God bless him, uh, but there is that stage where you're, and all any of us who've experimented with drugs or alcohol know this state, where your mind is really receptive to anything that's around you and is really willing to listen to and be open to it. Uh, some people, that can be a very addictive quality, and but that's also a particular quality where a demon might be able to gain influence over your life to trick you, to lie to you, and at minimum vex you, create poltergeist activity and things of that nature in your home. But also, according to Father Amorth, this was a way that a possession could occur. Did the demon ever have the ability to have the same voice as the individual they possessed? Because, you know, everything we hear, you know, it's guttural and rah and stuff. But, I mean, were they able to trick the father or any other exorcist with the voice of the individual? I know of a one case Father Amorth would talk about where 
he actually felt foolish afterwards because the demon said he was leaving and would then talk through the person himself. And Tripto. as it turned out, it was not the case. And when Father Morris confronted the demon later, asked, well, how did you do that? He said, I'm a devil. I lie. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, just very bluntly, or something to that effect in the Italian. And it was just very blunt, like, yeah, I lie. That's what I do. What does the demon want with the person, Michael? Do they want the soul? Do they want that person to die? What do they want? They ultimately want you and anyone, not just the possessed and the vexed person, but anyone around them to doubt, uh, from the Catholic standpoint, to doubt the love and mercy of God and to give themselves fully to damnation. That's ultimately their goal. And they can do that through temptations much easier most of the time. But in any of these cases, especially where a demon's manifesting itself, its goal is to completely turn you away, to make you give up on all hope, and to ultimately give your soul to the Dark One and join him in hell. Can an individual rid him or herself from the demon without the help of an exorcist? It is possible. Father Amor talks about in the first four centuries that exorcism was just the universal calling of anyone who wanted to follow Christ. And this was a gift that was promised in the Gospels. So Father Amor explains, however, that really for, you know, when you really need to have the best weapons to fight, you should call upon a priest who has the faculties to say an exorcism. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.